But how many know that, that, that somewhere along the line, we may start out with all these dreams of what we're going to do and what we're going to be, and somewhere along the line, perhaps we just settle in somewhere, and we say, you know what? Those things aren't going to happen. There's no sense in having those dreams. I'm just going to settle in, and I'm going to somehow learn to just get by and make it through life. You know, and, and we still say, well, you know what, I have, I, maybe I can find some purpose, I can find some fulfillment here. But how many of you know that, that still, even when we move on to certain things, we still somewhere deep and down inside, there is that thought that there has to be more to life than this. And the truth is, there is a purpose. And each and every one of us has a purpose But so many times, unbelief stands in the way of us reaching out and grabbing hold of the purpose that God has for our lives. In all honesty, I was about 30 years of age before I really found my purpose. Yes, I was married. Yes, I had a, had Derek was along at that point, but it was at that point that I really felt that call into ministry. And it, it was like something happened in that moment when I realized that I had a purpose and I began to chase after that purpose. But the truth is every one of us are created with a God-given purpose. And the greatest, I want you to hear this, the greatest lie of all time is that in your case, there isn't a purpose. I want to say that again, the greatest lie of all time is when the enemy comes along and convinces you that you have no purpose, that you're just somehow here taking up space. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You have a purpose. And think of someone you know, maybe even yourself, that, that the power of Christ came along at some point and dramatically changed their life. And we, and we get so excited when we give our life to Christ and, and he comes in and he sets us free and we know that our sins are forgiven and we're walking in that power and that grace and we get excited. Yet somehow we still can walk out of that experience where a God that loved us so much that he got our attention in our circumstance that we're in, picked us up, cleaned us up, brought us into his family, told us that we are one of his, and somehow the enemy still comes along and convinces us that that's pretty much all there is, that there really isn't much purpose after that. And maybe even we get in the place we think, you know what, maybe God did that for me, but boy, this person I know over here, they're just unreachable. And the person I know over there, they're unreachable. But you know what, if he reached you, he can reach them. So as I begin to think about that, you know, Jesus came to save lives. Yet many times we don't believe that he could use us to forward his purpose. You know, I, as I begin to think about that, my, my mind this week, this really is kind of turning into a sequel of a, of a, to a sermon that I spoke, preached on a couple of weeks ago that I talked about our, how our faith is refillable. And today I'm calling it Faith Forward because we can have, we can have, as I thought this week, we can have this faith in our life that he came and he gave his life for us and we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and we can have all that faith and all that belief and all that strength and we believe it for ourselves but somehow when, when, it, when we leave our circumstances and it goes to advancing the kingdom in this lost world, our, our faith stops there. The next step of faith that we need is we need faith that believes that we can be a part of moving his kingdom forward. A faith that advances his kingdom. 
But so many times we think there's no way God could use me. Kind of remind me of a story I read years ago, and I kind of looked this story back up. There's a young man by the name of Jim that uh, went to a Billy Graham crusade when those were really, really big. And, and as he was in that service, and he heard, he heard the famous pastor stand up and say, Did you know that literally only 5% of believers share their faith? And he began to think about that. He began to process that. He's like, I've got to do something. But Jim had a problem. If anybody had an excuse, Jim had an excuse. Jim had a learning disability. Jim couldn't read, and he had a speech impediment. But yet he did something amazing in the middle of that service. He said, Lord, how can you use me to advance your kingdom? He prayed that prayer. All of a sudden, he got an idea. He went to a little store, a little Bible book store, Bought a little stack of tracks. I know that that's not something that we do much anymore today, but he bought a stack. But he had the coolest, he had the greatest idea that he used to make a difference. He, here's what he started doing. He started walking up to people with his speech impediment, especially friends knowing he couldn't read. He said, he said I really want to know what this says. Will you read this to me? The thing that was supposed to be his barrier became the tool that he used to reach others. Next thing you know, a year later, 40 people had been led to Christ by him just simply walking up and said, can you read this to me? Think about that. I talked about Two weeks ago, we talked about refillable faith, and we, and we quoted the, the story in Mark chapter 9 where the father comes, and he, he brings his, his demon-possessed child to Jesus, and he asks Jesus the question. He says, he says, if you can do anything for my son, and Jesus' response was, if I can. He said, everything's possible for those that believe. I love the father's response. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Isn't that where we all are? And especially when we're talking about advancing the kingdom and moving forward and taking new ground and doing things for the kingdom. You know, every one of us, I don't care who you are, you have a level of unbelief in that area. You may believe that he saved you. You may believe and have that faith. But boy, I tell you what, start talking about, hey, let's get together and go knock some doors. You can watch faces glaze over. We can say, we're doing a hamburger cookout. Flood of people. Let's go talk to some people about Jesus. Crickets. Where's the problem there? It's because we have a level of unbelief that God could use us to reach somebody else. Guess what? For our faith to move forward, we need to refill our faith in that area. So yes, that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Faith forward. Text I'm going to use today is Mark chapter, Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-five through thirty-eight. And I saw some things this week that were kind of a little eye-opening. It says this: 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, probably every one of us that has spent any time in church, we're pretty familiar with this passage of Scripture. But probably something that you've never seen in there is, is three places that if you were to have your Bible and you, you were the kind that writes in your Bible, I'd have you underline three, three phrases here concerning Jesus. Number one, he saw, he had, and he said. Because I think there's so much we can pull out of that. First of all, he, it says he saw. He saw the people, and he wants us to look up and see those that are around us. Because everywhere we are, everywhere we look, I mean, think about that. As believers, we spend so much time walking around, and we have, in a sense, I hate to use the term, but almost like an ostrich, we have our heads buried into our own circumstance, and we're so caught up in our own circumstance, we don't raise up our heads, we don't look up, we don't have the faith to even see the harvest that is out there in the fields that are ripe for harvest. It's so easy to do. What it takes is it takes a true, true change in perspective, I'm telling you what, our enemy loves to keep us so focused on our stuff and our trash and our circumstances that we never really get beyond that to see that there are those out there that could be so easily reached, that they're ripe, that they're ready. And we're supposed to be that salt and light. They need to be exposed to the real gospel from real people that really live this thing out. Because that's rarer than you think. So the question is, are we going to live life with enough purpose to see the harvest field and to actually act? That's living a life of significance. That's putting your faith forward. And Jesus laid it out when it says, he, he saw, he had, and he said, Or you might say, look up, look out, and look around. See, the only way the church can truly be successful in reaching our community is to unite and to look past our own circumstances and to begin to look out for others. Any way you slice it, the opposite of faith is fear. And fear is what keeps us most often from stepping out. We're getting ready for the cookout we had. We had some some people that went out and actually did knock some doors and passed out some flyers and some things. I know James did. And this one Saturday, I met Paul Emmer up here and we went and literally knocked doors all around behind the church and passed out cards and invites and talked to people. And when we were done, we're both walking back to our vehicles And we had this conversation that was between us. And we talked about how that even though both of us are pretty seasoned in our faith, that doing something like that, going out and knocking on a stranger's door and inviting them to come be a part of something, still takes something you have to kind of work yourself up for. 
neither one of us, we were honest with each other, neither one of us got up that morning and said, woohoo, we're going to go knock doors. It was like, Lord, be with me. Because what do you do? You, you, you fear causes you to see the worst possible scenario. Guess what? Didn't run across a single worst possible scenario. Matter of fact, we were talking about as we're headed back to the vehicles, this was fun. We got to meet a lot of new people, got to talk to them, got to just just invite them to be a part of something. We weren't selling anything. We weren't trying to, the only thing was like, hey, come have lunch on us. See, how many know that we can make it so complicated that fear can cause us to not have enough faith to step out and to see that the harvest field is ripe? See, we follow Jesus' pattern. We realize that you don't, we don't have to go. See, we have this fear that somehow we've got to go, we go from cold to bold in one step. Sometimes it takes just stepping out. Let me, get, let me help you out here. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your heart, sit Christ apart as Lord. And he says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect. See, we think we've got to be these bold, in-your-face people. And sometimes that's called for. How many know that sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to you and will say, in this case, you need to be a little direct and a little bold. You need to get their attention. But most of the time, all it takes is answering their questions with gentleness and respect. You don't have to be in their face. You know what we really need to do? We need to pray and ask God to open doors. I'm going to get more into that in a second. But first of all, though, we need to see the lost. We need to see their plight. We need to be aware that the fields are ripe. We need to have enough faith to step through the door when the door is opened. And you know what we really need to grasp a hold of? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because my goal this morning is not to embarrass anybody. But how many of you have somebody right now that you know that is lost that you are truly praying for on a regular basis every day? You know, the sad part is so many times we know somebody that is lost, but we don't really have them regularly on our prayer list. We consider them out there. We consider them unreachable. And he said, boy, it'd be nice if someday. You know what? What if as people, we got back in the habit of actually picking a person or picking a few people and bombarding heaven on their behalf every single day until something breaks. And then when you pray for that person, and God somehow opens the door, cracks the door a little bit where you're around them, even though maybe they've been resistant, but they ask the right question at the right time where all of a sudden you realize, here's the door, here's the crack that I can step through. Instead of backing out and letting fear talk you out of it, go ahead and step through that door and say something. Because the next thing, you know, pray that God gives us the faith that we have to put our faith forward. But the second thing Jesus says, it says that he had. He had what? He had compassion. 
And he wants us to compassionately reach out to others. In other words, have enough faith to feel. How many know that it's so easy for us to almost shield ourselves? I'm saved. My family's saved. My closest friends are saved. I'm just going to kind of push the, the junk of the world and the outside and just not really think about that a whole lot. My life goes better and smoother when I don't think about it. But it says that Jesus had compassion. Let's read it. Verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now imagine that image of a sheep without a shepherd. I mean, talk about aimless and purposeless. Think about sheep. Sheep are dumb. They're not the smartest animals in the world. They're helpless and dumb. They're vulnerable and dumb. They're powerless and dumb. Sheep without a shepherd, they're aimless, they're lost, they're hopeless, they're, they're forsaken, they're, they're, they're unprotected, they're feeble. Kind of reminds me of we used to have an aquarium and I'd go to the store to, to see what fish were available. Because, you know, there's just something relaxing about watch, washing fish swim in a nice tank and 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 i'll never forget when i rounded the corner because i knew that there were some people that collected more aggressive fish and so forth but i never really saw this and i rounded the corner and there was this big tank full of just plain looking fish and it literally said on the tank feeder fish i thought i wonder if they know that they're feeder fish Right now, they've got it pretty good in this little tank, and food's dropped in, and they grow and stuff there. But one of these days, somebody's going to come along and buy them, and they're going to be transplanted to a new tank, and their whole purpose is to be prey. Wow. And yet, Jesus talked about, because think about sheep. There's not very many ferocious sheep. We're usually not scared of being out in the wild somewhere and being attacked by a bunch of wild sheep. Right? Sheep make great feeder mammals. And a sheep without a shepherd are going through life aimlessly from place to place They change directions as circumstances happen. They have no purpose, no direction, no leadership, and they just bounce from place to place until they're ended. That's what Jesus was saying that he saw when he saw the people, that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Going through life, not knowing if they were just pray, waiting for the final moment to happen that ended them. How can we walk around and see all the people that are around us 
They're in the same boat. They're aimless like sheep without a shepherd. We can't afford to be indifferent. Something in us needs to say, you know what? They need a shepherd. And I happen to know the good shepherd. And if there's something I can say, I I need to fight against fear. I need to have compassion when I see people that are lost. I need to call their names out to the God of heaven and say, Lord, I need you to see Joe over here or whatever their name is. And Lord, do something. Bring them to the end of the things that they're relying on that they think is going to help them out in this life. Bring them to the place where they desperately see their need for you. Bring them to the place where they're open and they're prepared. And then give me the faith and the courage when the time arises to step through that open door and speak truth and life into their life. That's what we need. We need to have compassion for those that are lost because so many don't know where they're going and unfortunately they don't really act like they want to know. Easy pray for the enemy. Yet so many times we just watch them fall for the same traps again and again and again. <clears throat> and the sad thing is often we step back and say, oh, I could have told them that was going to turn out like that. Well, why didn't you tell them that was going to turn out like that? Why didn't you pray for the opportunity to have compassion on them and speak up? Colossians three twelve through 13 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We need to have compassion. We need to be like one of two psychiatrists I heard a story about. There was a young man that was just getting his practice in psychiatry started and another man that was was little on up there in age has been doing it for many, many, many years and they both happened to have their practice in the same office building and there was one day that was particularly stressful and they, the day was over and they both step into the same elevator together and they're headed down to the floor to go home through their days and the younger one is just, man, he's just wore out, he's haggard, he's tired, he's like, today was a brutal beat down. And the, and the older guy is just fresh and all vibrant and everything. And so finally, the younger guy looks over to the older guy and says, how do you do that? He goes, how do you listen to all these people and all their problems every single day and, and be able to walk away at the end of the day feeling up? And the older one looks at the younger one and says, who listens? But you know what? We need to have compassion. We need to listen. We need to, we need to have our eyes open. And we need to, to, to live our life seeing and then having compassion on those that, that, are not, that are in such dire straits. This passage basically tells us as Christians how we should get dressed to clothe ourselves with compassion. 
You know, how many know that we're good about saying, you know what, we need to get up, we need to put on the whole armor of God and get out there and face the day. Yes, we should, but before we strap that armor on, our undergarments need to be compassion, our undergarments need to be kindness, our undergarments need to be those things that give us that soft heart. Yes, there's times we need to stand up and we need to be that warrior for Christ, but there's also underneath that we need to have compassion for those that aren't as far along as we are. Their circumstances need to matter. I wonder what, it would, what would happen if we make it a point to ask God to help us to see the harvest field and to care. Would it change the way we prayed for them? Would it change the way we interacted with them? Would it change the way we responded to them on a daily basis? We hear an awful lot today about Charity and the government ought to do this and the government ought to do that. I think we're missing the boat. The government was never intended to be the compassionate ones that meet people's needs. It was intended to be his church and his people. Because we're the ones that's supposed to make a difference. See, charity, and I want you to, you can write this one down if you want. Charity is, the reason charity is more common than compassion is because charity is tax deductible. Compassion makes us spend time. We want, we want something done about a situation, but we want somebody else to do it. When Jesus is telling us to, to see ourselves and to have compassion ourselves and to act ourselves. Because it's time consuming. So that leaves the last one this morning. Faith in action. Because Jesus said, he said he saw their condition. He had compassion and then he said, well, what did he say? Basically, he said to look around. But really, if you look at it, this, in this passage, we, there's, a, there's a one word in this passage of Scripture that we blow past so easily, and that's the word then. Because when the word then shows up, it's saying all this stuff we talked about this to this point was set up so that I could make this point. So he's saying all this, and he says, then... comes the main point. He said, it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The point was really pretty simple. The mission has to be fulfilled. He has sent us. The baton has been passed. We must have compassion for others, praying for them and, and putting our feelings into action. We see that Jesus here saw the lost souls, that they were ripe for harvest, that they were looking for a shepherd. He saw their needs and he instructed his disciples to pray for workers to go into that harvest field and to do something about it. And this is the part that I love. We, we love to stop there. Oh, yes, we need to all get together. We need to pray for workers to go out into the harvest field. But guess what the very next verse says? 
I mean, we're talking literally the very next verse. He called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So what was Jesus literally saying? He said, pray for workers to go out to the harvest field. Now you guys come together. Now you go as well. It's not one or the other. It's both. And here's the truth. Fair warning here. When you pray, if you dare to pray, you will find you are called to do something. You are called to make a difference. What if in place of making excuses, we actually prayed for God to help us find a place that we see and that we care enough to actually reach out into the areas and the ways that we were created? So you were created like you are. You're not an accident. Your personality, the giftings that you have, they're there for a reason. And the great thing about the kingdom of God is it's so broad and it's so diverse that however you are created, there is a place that you can fit and you can absolutely make a difference. We're so busy trying to compare ourselves. Oh, I could never do what they do. Well, God may probably not asking you to do that. That's what he made them to do. What if we'd reached out in a way that would fit us? Kind of reminds me of a story that came back to my memory as I was working on this. And it's kind of a fable, but it's a story of this old farmer that had two sons. That for whatever reason, he just never could really get them to take interest in the farm. He never could get them to really work the farm or whatever. Finally, the time came that he was about to, to pass on, and he called his sons together. And he got, had both of them standing by him. He said, he said, boys, sons, I am leaving this whole farm equally to each of you. And here's some money to help you get this thing started. He said, however, I want each of you to know that there's a treasure out there in those fields that if you search for it and you find it, you'll be set for life. He said, it's out there. And he said, I didn't bury it deep. He said, it's no deeper than 18 inches out there on the property. Boy, when he passed away and the sons became owners of the property, I mean, they went out there and they turned, they started digging holes all over the place. They turned the field over. They even finally got some of the equipment out there and began to plow things up and said, hey, he said it was less than 18 inches underneath the ground. We're going to find this stuff. And so they worked and they worked and they worked and they didn't find it. Then finally they realized, you know what? The whole field's plowed. We might as well plant it. So they planted it. And because it was so well turned over, they got a great crop. Next year, they said, that treasure's got to still be out here somewhere. So they did the same thing again, and they planted it. And finally, after a few seasons of this, they got old enough that it was like, oh. Our father was telling us that the treasure was being about his business. that's what we miss out on as I think as believers. There is a treasure out there and the treasure is being about his business. Doing what he's called us to do. 
Matthew 16, 18 through 19. Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, we had... We need to quit walking around like we're up against some superior foe. What did he say? He says, I realize he was talking to Peter, but guess what? Peter's gone and we're the ones with the baton now. And he said, behold, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know what hit me? We have different personalities. We have different keys. The sad thing is there's so many believers that we never even pull the keys to the kingdom out of our pocket to see what it will unlock. I don't know what this is for. I don't know why he gave me this. I guess I just carried it around my pocket until I go back to see Jesus. What if we begin to explore what does my key fit? What can I unlock in the kingdom? You know what? It's okay if you try a ministry and you say, you know what? That one wasn't it. At least you were doing something. Then go try another one. And then one of these days, you're going to step into that one as you become a moving target that the Lord can steer you. How many know it's easier to steer something that's moving than something that's sitting still? And one day we stick our key in something and it clicks and we unlock something. It's like, whoa, that's what I was created for. That's the way the kingdom was intended to work. You know what it says? Here's the other thing. It says the gates of hell will not prevail. We're not up against some superior foe. You know what it tells me? We're talking about the gates of hell. That means we're on the enemy's front porch. And we're acting like the gates are going to attack us. I don't know about you, but I've never been attacked by a gate. (laughs) The gate is the last barrier for you begin to invade the enemy's territory and take some of their ground. And we act like, oh, pray for me. The gates are beating me up. I'm not saying that we don't face things. Because I know we do have an enemy that loves to kill, steal, and destroy. But I think that too often we cower down instead of rising up and standing up and being the men and women of God that we're supposed to be, mustering up a little bit of faith, having that compassion underneath, but strapping on that armor of God and saying, you know what, today I'm not going to take it, today I'm going to dish it out. And begin to pray for that individual. Begin to say, you know what? I'm going to see. I'm going to have compassion. And I'm going to do what he told me to do. I'm going to make a difference in the world around me. 
And that's where we've got to be. We've got to get on the offensive. We've got to move forward. See, we act so scared. Study after study has been done. This, I just jotted some statistics down here. Eight, this one study says 82% of the unchurched are, are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited. But then the counter statistic is only 2% of church members actually actively invite people to come to church with them. 98% of churchgoers never even have ever extended an invitation. A study including more than 15,000 adults revealed that two-thirds of them are willing to receive information about a local church from a family member and 56% from a friend or neighbor. Most people say the reason they haven't gone to church is because nobody invited them. Guess what? We're falling down. See, we need to pray for boldness. We need to use the keys he's given us. And we need to begin to pray for those around us. I challenge you, pick somebody this week, somebody that you know. And before you say anything, before you do anything, just start calling out their name to the Lord on a regular basis, asking him to open the right door and to give you the right opportunity. And when he does it, have the faith to step forward and to... Step into that situation and do what he tells you to do. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. And guess what? Can I, I'm going to, I mean, yes, I can say this. I've got the microphone. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing, well, just now is not the time or the season to do that because everything is going on. No, now is absolutely the time and the season because people are scared and people are looking for answers. And maybe it looks a little, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> maybe it looks a little different than what we've done in the past. But it's time for us to rise up and to be the church and to strap on that armor and begin to make a difference in the world around us. Now is the time to be salt and light in this world and reach out to people and let them know you don't have to live in fear. Like I said, charity is more common than compassion. Charity is tax deductible. Compassion makes us spend time. We need to get back into the time business. We need to find where that key fits and use it for the kingdom. I challenge you to begin to think differently. I challenge you to begin to pray differently. Begin to look at things differently. Lord, where can you use me? You know, I'm going to maybe ramble for a second here. You know what? There are people back there in the back right now that are caring for little babies. And that may not seem like the greatest mission field ever, but you know what it's doing? It's allowing some of you to sit in here and get what you need so they're playing their part in the kingdom. Every role matters. And you never know where your key's going to fit, that you flourish. But we have, we must see the fields have compassion and then do what he said. 
pray for workers for the harvest field, and then go in the power that he's given us. Amen. Amen. Father, we come before you today. Lord, I ask you to reach in and to touch each and every one of us. Lord, give us a heart and a fire and a passion to make a difference to the world around us. Lord, we need you, Lord. It's time as believers that we rise up, Lord, we put our faith forward. Lord, we have faith, Lord, to to be saved. We, We know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. But, Lord, I pray that we would take that faith, that next step. And we'd ask you to refill our faith, Lord, to begin to take our faith forward and out into the world around us and begin to make a difference. Lord, I pray that as as we get back to work this week, that you would just help each and every one of us identify somebody that we can begin to call their name out and to give you that as you give us the opportunities that we would speak and we'd share our faith. Let us quit walking in fear and begin to walk in faith and make a difference in the world around us. Lord, I ask you to do that according to your power and your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you, and thank you for being here today. Don't forget, this Wednesday night, we're going to have a night of worship right here. We're just going to turn the worship team loose. The youth are going to join us. Just Everybody's going to gather in here. We're just going to have a time of worship and prayer and just see what the Holy Spirit does. God bless.